You're listening to the Global Ooj Podcast, where every week we learn about the world through the eyes of entrepreneurship. With your host, Ujwal Velagapudi. The ultra-rich have people they hire to manage their money, like a wealth management firm. Flavia Becker and her co-founders had seen that the market only catered to the wealthy in her home country of Peru. There was no option for the average citizen to invest their savings and have it professionally managed. Flavia is the co-founder of Zest Capital, a wealth management solutions provider that was founded in 2016. They've already exceeded over $100 million in investment funds and have grown at a pace of over 100% this year. We had a great conversation on providing investment accessibility to citizens, expanding to other countries within Latin America, and on the possibilities of raising capital in the future. Thank you so much, Flavia, for joining us here today. Appreciate you joining the Global Ooj podcast. Thank you, Ishwal. It's my pleasure. And so could you give us a little bit of a background on yourself and prior to you starting Zest Capital in Peru? Yeah, of course. Um, I studied business administration here in Peru. And after that, I started working in the financial sector uh, locally. Then I went to Uruguay, to also in the financial sector. Then uh, I stayed there for two years. Then I went to Cyprus, uh, working also uh, for six months. When I had the idea to, to come back to Latin America with a business partner and start our own company. So that's what, that's what we did with a coworker that I met in Uruguay. So we came here and we, we partnered with a third, third, third party and we started Zest Capital. So because uh, our idea with Zest was to democratize private banking in Peru. Uh, here, here in Peru and in most of Latin America, uh, there are a few banks, huge banks that control all the financial sector, insurance, uh, credit, um, mortgage, uh, savings, etc. And so the the investment investment sector specifically, uh, only the high net worth people have access to quality uh, investments. And the ordinary people, the low-income people, uh, middle class or middle class, they only have uh, basic savings accounts. They don't have any um, uh, good inve- investment choices. So that's what we wanted. We wanted to give uh, excellent investment choices to this middle class and affluent uh, investors. Okay. And so was it? any situation in Uruguay that had caused you to start this or have this idea? Or was it just the way things were back in Peru and you just saw that this was a huge, huge gap in the market? Um, yes, while I was working in Uruguay, I, was, uh, I had clients all over Latin America. And what I saw is, is that they wanted to invest, but they didn't know how. They didn't know where, how, they didn't have any help. Uh, the banks weren't helping them because they, they were not profitable. So these, these people that had uh, 10K, 5K US dollars to invest, they had no, no help at all um, what to choose. So it was, uh, I realized it was a huge market. So just so I understand a little bit better, Zest Capital, it's not a bank. It's not an advisory firm either, right? No, it's a fund, fund, management, fund, fund management firm. 
so I have 10K, let's say I'm a local Peruvian citizen and I put $10,000 into your fund. And so can you walk me through what that process looks like as a consumer? I come to you and yeah, if you can walk me through that entire process, please. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, we have a lot of technology, so our costs are very low. That's why we can offer uh, good investments to, to these people. Um, so if, if you are a customer, you probably claim, came referred by some other customer or some of the people that sell our fund. Uh, we don't do any uh, publicity or, or uh, digital marketing, any, any of that. It's all on mouth to mouth and with the referral programs. So you, you come to us, uh, there is a salesperson that will uh, get you through all, all the investment choices. Uh, our salesmen are also people that have uh, economic, economic background, so they, they know what we're selling. It's not just salesperson that is selling any other fund, they know what we're selling, so they can uh, really uh, show you where your money will be. Uh, we, we invest in extractive products, all in Europe and US and, and Japan and China. Uh, so we don't invest anything locally, it's all internationally. And we, well, we got through through that, you sign an online agreement, then you wire your funds to the, the, the fund bank account, and then you will receive a lot of information, uh, mostly uh, educational. So you'll receive, uh, of course, you have your platform where you can access uh, live to, to how your, your account is, how much money you're, you're making, you'll receive your monthly um dividends it, it, all our investments pay dividends and or coupons so you you will receive also the the monthly uh, blog uh a monthly or or, or bi-monthly um uh, uh, information about the stocks that are in your structural products how it's going uh, what's happening with Trump, what's happening in China, uh, a lot of information, uh, it mostly daily, uh, daily market updates, how, how the market's open, how is the US uh, and, and the Peruvian, Peruvian coin currency going, a, 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 a lot of information. Okay. And so would you say there's zero physical presence? This is all done through the software, through the technology and the platform that you guys have created? And once I engage, then somebody calls me and then I deposit the cash, then my cash, uh, and then this is all done 100% online. Uh, no, it's not 100% online because uh, the, the get to know us part, people like to come to our office, have a coffee. Um, it's like 99% of the clients like to know someone physically, you know. Uh, now with the pandemic, uh, we were surprised because we continue ourselves through Zoom and all these meeting platforms. It was a surprise to us. We, we, didn't, know, we didn't think we were going to keep up the sales, but we did. But now that is um, the, lock, the lockdown is, is more, it's less, less frequent here. So people are starting want, want to meet again, you know, but, but yes, this... Uh, the first part is hundred. It has to be most of the time uh, present, and then online online information, online information. Okay, and so you said we invest in Europe and 
Japanese market and the Asian market. So are these public equities all over completely internationally? It's structured products, structured products by banks, like stru- structured, structured notes. Okay, so you're purchasing notes. Yes, and the stocks that are in these products are mostly from uh, US, U- Europe, and, and Asian market. Okay, and so I go and speak with the advisor and do they have different selection profiles where maybe a 22-year-old recent college graduate may look at investing a little bit differently with, let's say, $10,000 rather than somebody that's 60 years old and close to retirement? So depending on our risk tolerance, so are those preferences and the risk tolerances all baked in? And do you have various classes or structures where we can invest in? Yes, of course. Uh, we have like five different structures and they're uh, always open. We're, we're, uh, every month we open a new one, but we always keep like three to five open so people can, can make choices when we're to invest. And of course, they have different uh, aggressiveness in, in the investment. So uh, we have, when we first meet the customer, we, we ask them uh, a few questions, five to 10 questions, just to not get to know them, their, their profile. We we talk a lot to them and what what are your your previous experiences? What do you want to 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 get with this money? Do you need it, or you can uh, leave it there for a few years? And with all that information, we, we say okay, we recommend this or this to you, and then the client itself makes makes the choice. So how does the liquidity work, or is there any liquidity to it, and what does that lockup period look like? Okay, so another differentiation from us with the banks is that we we don't have any lockdown period and uh, any fees, no hidden fees. Uh, the client can uh, withdraw its money, his money, whenever he wants with uh, a one-week uh, announcement. In one week, you, you will get your money. Really? Okay. And as far as the returns that investors have been averaging on the norm, I know you have multiple different classes and structures, but what would you say on average the various targets or ranges have been over the past few years? Okay, so we have a products that, that will give you 5% annually up to 18%. But I, I believe that the average that we have been giving clients is 9, 9 to 10% a year. Okay. Oh, wow. And that's outside of the fees and everything that's true net to the investor that they're actually taking home? Yeah, net. The, the fee that we say to the client is the net fee. We never say, oh, it's 10, but then we'll have one of these, one of these. Is it net 10 for you? Mm-hmm. And so are you accepting any foreign investors or uh, investments outside of Peruvian citizens over there? Uh, we have some Latin American clients uh, that with uh, tax agreements between countries, uh, they, they don't have overtax. So... So they they got to us because they know someone in Peru and, and they invest with us, but we're not seeking international clients. We are uh, planning our expansion to Colombia and Mexico for 2021. Okay. And so can you go through that? So if you're seeking that expansion, what kind of mental framework does the company go through right now? Uh, you and your co-founders, what are you going through? What are you looking at? What in particular entice you to go to those two countries? And how does that process even look like to start in Colombia and Mexico? Okay, so 
Oh, we did a lot of research. We went there. We met a lot of uh, fun investment companies, uh, banks, uh, lawyers, and, and accountants. And we got to realize that is the market is very similar with Peru. So they have the same issues with the regulators, with the competition. Uh, the investors have the same issues. They there are not a, a lot of choices, and it's expensive. But uh, in, in terms of sizes, Colombia is a little bit uh, bigger, but Mexico is like 10 times bigger. So uh, we, and we want to go first to Mexico and then to Colombia. Okay. And so your overall client profile right now, you're talking about these are people that are not able to invest. Would you say it's the smaller amount um, you know, your normal citizens, your lower income citizens that are not able to invest with these large corporations? No, it's mostly uh, middle middle class, but affluent people that, that have savings that are able to save money. I mean, they, they get their salary and they spend, but they also can save money. Okay. And so typically in Peru, it's always the very affluent that can have that can only have wealth management team or the ultra high net worth individuals that have those means? From five, $500,000, you can access these banks. That's interesting. And so when you first started, what was that process like to be able to get your first 10 clients, let's say? Was it just friends and family uh, were flocking to you guys because this is a new service that's first time open everyone at that point or how were you able to get those first couple clients no we didn't have any friends and family invest investing we didn't want to mix that you know money with family is not always <laughs> a good decision so uh we had a lot of meetings i mean like 10 meetings a day when we first arrived getting to know everybody here in the market um getting referrals and um Getting this referral system where you get a commission for every client that you that you bring to us. So we, we were we were looking, you know, who are the ones that are doing this, that are selling on on the streets, you know, uh, insurance, another funds, international insurance, or people that send that. So we got to them one by one, and they they started trusting us a bit, trusting us little by little, and then bringing a bit more clients every time. Okay. So yeah, you had touched on this before. So you're not going necessarily directly to the consumer. You're going through some of these other firms that are advising the consumers directly, like maybe the accountants or the folks that are selling insurance policies and various other advisors. Exactly. Yeah. Financial advisors. Mm-hmm. That's what we we're seeing mostly. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything in mind to go directly to the consumer where it's marketing directly online through either TV or digital media and seeking them out 100% direct? Is that or is that not a model that you think would work well in your local market? Okay, so the, the regulation is very tough here and we, we don't have that regulation to be able to have marketing on the TV and the radio and, and all that stuff. So so that's why we went through this other channel while uh, we're, we, are, we already have a reputation to be able to do the public offering. 
but we we still don't have it so we're waiting for that and once once we have it we will be able to start mostly with with digital marketing i think can you go into that regulatory piece again it's a permission or it's a license to be able to offer these to the public yes it's a public offering like license basically so if you are going one by one you don't need this license but if you want to make it public and and put a on the TV, you know, you can get 10% with us. You have to have this this license. Okay, that makes sense. And is that pretty rigorous and challenging to get? Or, uh, and only, and you can only do it now after building this sort of track record? Yeah, it's rigorous and uh, a little bit expensive. So we waited until we have the money to, to pay for it. Now we, we paid and we're, we're waiting now for, for all the, the regulation and, and as there is, uh, it's very small, the market here, everybody knows us. And uh, there are a lot of uh, companies that do, don't want us to get this, this license because uh, we're very competitive. And so how have you come across that? Because you guys are the new startup in town. And a lot of these firms, you said, if it's a small market, everybody knows each other. So do you think, is there any sort of political influence, financial influence, lobbying power? with the regula- regulators or are there any other negative influences coming down besides just a team looking at your application and saying yes or no? Uh, do you think there's external influence over there? Yes, of course, from the, the competitors, mostly they're very, very big, big, huge companies here in Peru and they have access to the regulators, right? Because uh, people that work in the regulators now before they work in these big companies, so everybody their friends Mm ex-colleagues okay yeah that makes sense and are you finding that with going to colombia and mexico as well in those two countries i mean do you see obviously those are geographically pretty distant as well and mexico especially are you seeing even across latin america the regulation aspect is similar or in terms of trying to do business in those countries um yes it's, it's very similar uh, that's why we're contacting uh, lawyer firms specialized in financial services and financial markets so they can help us and know which is the best way to go. And so you're doing this on one side with trying to be able to scale to different countries, but then how about scaling your own team? Can you go through a little bit about who your first hire was? Obviously, you had the three co-founders, but then the first person was uh, somebody... I'm wondering, is would it be somebody in the financial world or somebody that was very technical and you needed the development team to be able to build out the platform? So who did you hire first and how's your team look today? Yeah. Um, so I'm more uh, um, financial in, in terms of a CFO and my, my, my co-founder was the CIO, CEO CEO, I'm sorry, but he he's very commercial. So he was in the streets, you know, selling and selling and selling. And our other co-founder is also like that. So the the both of them were on the streets all the time. Well, I was in in the company, and the office, you know, like making the agreements and checking financials and okay, this is the commission we can pay and talking to providers, etc and making the serum system you know, a little bit of everything and so after that we said okay we need uh, more commercial people so we, we 
hard too and it's very difficult to find you know uh, commercial people with economic uh, background it was very difficult and we wanted young young people uh, then we hired um, an analysts so they can check the market for the information we had to send to our clients and we built we built that part of the company a lot so we had a lot of uh, analysts mostly uh, uh, graduates you know nearly graduates from from the university and then you had uh, someone a CIO that, that will help all of them but and, and also our back office you know our back office it was the, the last part that, that grew in her company. It was mostly invest, investment and analyst, and then the commercial and then the back office. Uh, because we had all these all this systems, we, we didn't hire a CTO. We, we, until now, we don't have anybody in technology in our company because uh, we, 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 we hired a company, a Brazilian company that made the system for us. So they, they they keep the the system working you know do you in the long term plan on taking that in-house or having even one internal technical person or is that something you know we're not a technical company let's leave that to the experts and have them focus on it we'll focus on the financial aspect of serving our clients yeah that's our vision now you know we have a company that that manage for us the, the crm and keep it working and, and the, the, the system for the investments and the platform for the clients. And so they, they are the experts on that. Let's keep, as you said, let's keep uh, on what we know and focus on that. As far as the client demographic, what does that look like exactly? You said we wanted very young analysts. Uh, we're young commercial folks with economic degrees. Is that because your clients or the clients that you were seeking to target were also let's say in that younger demographic or what does that client makeup look like today uh, our average client is a male that has 50 years old so we, we don't have a lot of young people yeah, young clients but we they wanted uh, young workers and because um we, we think it's i mean uh, our culture is young you know we have a a cool culture and very very tech, techy you know and but we don't we didn't want somebody that already have their how their their work established you know I work like this don't bother me we want something that we could raise you know so they will uh, work and adapt to us as they learn how to work okay and so going back to the physical element of the business, so you said everybody is coming in, meeting with our team. So does that mean that you have multiple branches throughout Peru or is it a singular office where uh, you guys are located within Peru? And then as you expand into Colombia and Mexico, are you looking to have, especially in Mexico, they're so large, is it just starting with a few of the largest cities and then expanding or what's your plan in those two countries as well? Okay, so Peru is a very centralized uh, country. Everything is in Lima, the capital. There are a few cities that also have um, good economics, but mostly like 
most is, is in Lima. So we have uh, one office here. We recently opened another one that is, we call it Zest Cafe. So there it's more like a co-working office or you have coffee and meet with the clients and we maybe uh, we make some some events, you know, that it's still on pause because of the pandemic, but we wanted to open it in February, but it still hasn't opened. We, we hope to open it this year, <laughs> but we, we have our headquarters here, the office, and, and it has like three meeting rooms, one big and two, two small, uh, because yeah, clients uh, get, uh, were there all the time. And also these advisors, our advisors, we we have two uh, uh, two days a week. Uh, we, we we teach them, you know, uh, what what's happening in the market. This is the new product that we open, so we keep them very uh, educated on our products. Okay, interesting. And as far as when you guys first started, you came back from Uruguay. You had gone to Peru. How did you do that? How did those early days really look like for the first six months? that first one year, was it completely bootstrapped to get this off the ground and running because, and because you had three people and was three even enough, um, especially in the early days, or at some point, did you take on any funding to help scale further, uh, even over the course of the last few years? Okay. So for the first year, it was just the three of us, the first six months of planning the business, you know, getting to know the market. And the other six months starting the business from the ground uh, with a little bit of money from our savings. And there, I mean, we didn't have any salary. We were like eating our savings. So <laughs> we didn't have any money. And then for the next year, uh, on our second year running, we hired a, 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 few, a few people, but still, we didn't still have any salary. It was on our third year running that we said, okay, now we can, we have to get a salary or I don't have what to eat. <laughs> but we didn't, because of that, because we were very careful with the money, we didn't have to go seeking for funding. Until now, we, we had no funding. It was all from the, the first seed money that we put to the company and we, we grew with our own legs. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Well, was that on purpose to say, you know, let's not go get funding or was it more so maybe the local ecosystem? It's tough to find funding or uh, what was that mindset in regards to raising capital? And then how about right now? Do you have any plans to take on any additional funding to grow maybe at a higher rate than what you've been able to organically? So at the beginning it was very difficult. So we, we didn't even think about it because we knew we're, we're go through a wall, you know? So, but then uh, we were growing and there were people that came to us and said, okay, I want to invest, but we knew the potential the company had. And so if we sell it now, you know, even a bit, we'll be losing money. So we said, no, let's keep working. We, we still have room to work, to, to grow alone. And, and this year, um, because of the pandemic, the government started giving uh, loans, very, very cheap loans for, for small companies and middle companies. So we, we got loans from, from the government on this program. And that gave us a good, a good boost for this year. So, so 
this year, I, I think uh, we're going to, we grew 100% from last year. And yes, so, so yeah, maybe maybe next year that, that we want to go to Mexico, we'll be the, looking for, for funding maybe. And how is that local ecosystem? I'm sure after being there for four years, being in the market, you have a lot of eyes on your company right now. So do you think right now, because of the track record of doing so well with your clients, that it'll be much easier to go to an investor? And then how is the local angel or the VC ecosystem there to be able to actually get funding? Um, yes, we think that because of our track record, uh, people, uh, investors will trust more our company, especially because it's, a, it's an investing company. So they were afraid, you know, how do I know that you know how to invest people's money? You know? But now we have a good track record. And also we will get uh, this regulation. With this regulation, it will be a lot of, a lot easier to, to get funding. And our company will evaluate, this valuation will, will grow. That's what we are rating also. And well, the, it's the, the angel investors and private equity funds here. It's a, it's a market that's, that's been growing in the last few years. Uh, there have been companies from the US that have opened the branch here or funds, international funds that are looking to, to invest in Peruvian startups. Um, so yeah, it's, it has been growing these years. And, and I think that if we seek, seek for it, we, we will get it, we'll get a fund. Uh, but we want first to grow our valuation, and yes, there are funds that are, that that have very uh, small uh, tickets, like fifty k. You know, they're looking for small companies, and there are others that that want like one million. So we're like in the in between. We want to grow a bit more to get those big funds. So to raise money, are you looking primarily within the local markets, or is there any possibility to say? You know, we'll just go straight to the U.S., Silicon Valley, and we'll go talk directly with those investors. And like you were saying, there's uh, there's a few local branches of the U.S. entities within Peru as well. Uh, so it's a would you say it's a pretty decent ecosystem? And is it pretty easy to be able to get the funding if you are really seeking it out and want it? Yes, yes, we're looking for for the local branches, like for a Series A. You know, first, our first investment, and after that, uh, depending on our valuation growth, we will go to to the U.S. Silicon Valley. <laughs> okay, and are there other countries that you've been able to identify within Latin America that you can say, you know, what uh, we can do the exact same thing in their market? Because I'm I'm thinking Mexico is probably one of the biggest markets within Latin America, and then you know Brazil is that an opportunity or uh, even some of these other countries, are they also another opportunity uh, or are they already developed in terms of what you're looking to be able to provide potential clients? Brazil is like a 10 steps forward Peru. So they already have these uh, structure funds like for years now. The, the competition is very hard there. So, and also is the... It's not a dollarized company. I mean, they, they have a lot of restrictions with dollar investments. So we're not looking for, uh, to Brazil right now. And Ch Chilean, Ch the Chilean market is similar to Peru, but also very, uh, uh, a lot more uh, sophisticated. 
So we identified that Mexico and Colombia are, are still like in fair with Peru. And, but yes, Chile is also uh, like a third company that we'll, we'll be looking for. Interesting. And then what about opening to, you know, for example, a U.S. citizen like myself, if I want to go and invest, because when you said 18%, that's, that sounds pretty attractive to me. Uh, I'm sure there's so many difficulties with taking money from another country, like, especially like the U.S. with taxation and with regulations, uh, the exchange rates and whatnot. So was that your primary reason for saying uh, for not accepting those funds? Or is it just not worth it for you guys to explore that as an opportunity as well at this stage right now? Yeah, so the U.S., as you said, there are a lot of restrictions, you know, and, and regulations. So uh, we, we were looking for with, with countries that have uh, tax, tax agreements with Peru, you know, where the taxation will be the same, like uh, Mexico, Colombia, uh, Chile, uh, some Argentina, so that that's why mostly because of the, the cost and, and taxation for the for the investors. Okay, and you said there's a common agreement. What is that? There's no taxation between those countries, or like some sort of agreement. Yes, yes, it's the the Mila agreement. It's between uh, Colombia, Mexico, uh, Chile, and Peru, and there there are also the Mercosur agreement with Brazil and, and Argentina. So there are a lot of agreements between these, these countries. Okay. So you can earn money in one country, live in another country, and still the taxation is going to be comparable and carry over pretty easily. Yeah. Depending on, on the asset. Depending on the asset, you will have a double taxation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then during the time of COVID, especially in 2020 as a company investing your client's money in your overall fund. How has it been to invest? Because the market has been extremely volatile. And even in the notes market, uh, there could be a higher default rate. So have you seen that? And how has that impacted your business as it has, I'm sure, been more volatile and potentially more defaults in some of those products? Okay, so first, uh, the dollar is, is more valuable right now. Uh, against the Latin American uh, uh, currencies. So a lot of our clients are changing their money and buying dollars. Here in Peru, it's very easy to, to have dollars. So that's that's a plus for us because you have dollars or so your money is is getting more valuable. And our, uh, as our investments are in dollars, people also get money there. And it has been uh, good for us because we first uh, the markets went went really down, so we had a lot of buying opportunities, and now they are very they are up. So our clients made a lot of money in a very short time, and so we're we're seeking you know to get more of these blue chip companies now that the, the market's so high and, and with the elections happening. So uh, uh, we evaluate uh, our investments between uh, what. What's the macroeconomic news, you know, and and what are the risks that our clients are, are willing to take? Okay. And are as you guys grow, are you planning on any other investments within, like you said, the blue chip companies, but besides that, maybe into real estate or into other funds that invest into real estate or, you know, alternative assets um, for your clients? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we recently opened a private 
uh, equity fund this year and we started with money from our own from from the, our, the partners and we're we're making a few tests we bought already uh, participation in two companies and we want to to see how it goes before we we start uh selling it to to, to customers okay and that's going to be local the pe fund it's going to purchase portions of companies within peru yeah, in Peru, we, we bought a company, a piece of the company in Brazil. And yes, we, we want to, to be between Brazil and Peru. Uh, one of our co-founders is Brazilian, so we know a lot of the market. Okay, yeah. Okay, and so one co-founder is Brazilian, one is Peruvian, and the other co-founder is from Uruguay? Peruvian, Peruvian, Peruvian. Oh, Peruvian. Yeah. Okay, okay, it's interesting. Yeah, that's super cool. That's extremely exciting, especially when not having to take funding all these years and still being profitable and being able to hire out your team. I saw that you guys were also the number one fintech company in terms of the business volume and the income generated within Peru. So what are those metrics looking like exactly? And what's it mean that you have the most volume of investable assets going through your platform into your fund or uh, can you go into that? Yes, yes. Uh, between uh, the, the buys and, 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 and sales that we make um, and the money invest, invested in our funds, uh, we have the, uh, the most volume between all our all the other fintechs uh, also, but we are the only wealth management fintech in Peru. Most of the fintechs are exchange rate fintechs or payment methods and, and lending and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's amazing. And is there a certain milestone that you guys have hit recently, especially this year or the course of a few years? Yeah. Uh, we wanted to reach at, by the end of the year, a hundred million dollars in volume, but we reached it like a two months ago. So we're very happy about it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Congrats. Yeah. And, and so that was over the past few years? Yeah, since, since, since the beginning, since 2016. Yeah. I'm sure that once you go to Colombia and go to Mexico and, you know, reaching 10 times that to the billion dollar mark will just come that much easier, would you say? Like, I'm sure the first 10 million was so much more difficult than going from 10 million to 100 million, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it took us like two years to get to 10 million. <laughs> And from that, two years to get to 100 million. <laughs> so in two years, when we talk again, you'll be right around the billion-dollar mark at least. Hopefully. Yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, Flavia, thank you so much again for chatting with me today and kind of going through the process of, of not just taking funding. No. Let me redo that. 4157. Wow. So in two years, when we talk again, you'll be right around a billion dollars at least. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. But yeah, Flavia, thank you so much again for chatting with me today and kind of going through just the process of not taking funding. I think that's something that a lot of people right off the bat when they're starting a company think that it's a necessity to take funding. But obviously, you guys have shown that it's not a requirement. As long as you have a profitable business model, you can make it happen you can grow naturally and organically so and like you guys 
have, like you just said, you guys have grown at a hundred percent rate uh, this year. So you can still have substantial growth organically. And when you need it, when you're looking to expand into two or three different countries, you know that at that point you can take that on, but also love what you guys are able to do. Uh, seeing the gap in the market where, you know, your clients, uh, right now previously were not being addressed. And so jumping on that opportunity, there was a significant gap where a common person could not invest into uh, a profitable fund or um, a vehicle to be able to get good returns. So yeah, I absolutely love that. And what you guys are able to do and excited to see how many more countries you guys are able to get into. And if you ever open it up to US investors, I'd, I'd definitely be there. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Wish well. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And while you're there, please do leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Or if you already have, please share with a friend that you think might enjoy the show. 